wealthy do-gooder. Imagine being able to ask anyone for help and getting a yes. Do you believe getting help or getting a mentorship from someone who could change your life is just for the lucky few? Think again. In this episode of Thinking Vitamins, I sit down with Eric Koster, the book professor, the man who creates creators, and co-author of Super Mentors, the ordinary person's guide to asking extraordinary people for help. I was blown away when I read Eric's book because it is not at all what I was expecting. Eric shows us how anyone can find and connect with top-level mentors, you, me, anyone. He shares specific actions that get people at the tops of their careers to pay attention to you. You're going to hear a combination of surprising stories, counterintuitive insights. Eric reveals the secrets to cultivating not just one, but several powerful mentoring relationships that will transform your career, business, and life. If you're ready to step outside the box, aim high, really high, and ask extraordinary people for help, don't miss this conversation with one of today's most innovative thinkers about mentorship. Welcome to Thinking Vitamins, the podcast that helps you think about what you think about. I'm your host, Jill McCabe, and my mission is to help you use the power of thought to create purposeful prosperity. I came to understand the power of thinking after an accident nearly took my life. It was the worst thing that ever happened to me, until it was the best. The recovery period gave me time to explore how my thinking had limited me. I knew I had to change my thoughts to change my reality, but shifting my thinking was challenging. That's when I came up with the idea of thinking vitamins, intentionally repeating empowering ideas until they come to you automatically. Have you experienced a turning point driven call to purpose in your life? Are you curious about how you can think your way to more joy and prosperity? Join me as I interview inspiring thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who share fresh ideas that empower us to create joyful and fulfilling lives. Tune in now and remember, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss new episodes. Eric, you recently published Super Mentors, The Ordinary Person's Guide to Asking Extraordinary People for Help. It's already had hundreds of five-star reviews, which is so hard to get on Amazon, (laughs) but also doesn't surprise me um, because it's such a hot topic. I mean, who doesn't want a super mentor, help from somebody extraordinary? Let's, Let's just jump in. What was your motivation for writing about this topic? You know, it's, it's, first off, thank you so much for having me. This is fun. And I'm glad too, that we get to talk about it because I think it's one of those things that it is sort of this like hidden secret that a lot of people don't realize how much their lives have been changed by super mentors. They just didn't always call them that in this way. The way that I actually got inspired to write this book was actually when I found out that I was the world record for the worst mentor in the world. (laughs) True, true story. Actually what happened. 
I, I honestly thought I was a really good mentor. I had this idea of like, I was really good at it. And the story, the origin story of the book and really this whole entire like journey it led me on was several years ago when I was kind of in this gap period. I just sold a company. I was sort of thinking about what to do next. And I decided I was just going to do a bunch of mentoring and figure it out. And so I basically committed to say, I'm just going to like mentor anyone who wants it, whether it was students, whether it was professionals, entrepreneurs, whatever it was. And so I basically said like, anyone who wants mentoring, I'm going to meet with them. And I made this commitment, I was going to do it. And so before I was about to do it, I was at the bar with a buddy of mine, one of my best longest term friends. And he's like, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I'm going to do this bunch of mentoring. And he literally like took a drink and he put it down. He goes, do you know if you're any good at mentoring? And I was like, but I'd never thought about it. And I was like, well, yeah, like all these people actually want me to mentor them. He's like, no, 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 are you any good at it? And I was like, I don't know. And I sat there thinking about it for the next few days. And finally I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove that I'm a really good mentor. And so I said I was going to meet with anyone and I was going to make it a great meeting and I was going to prove it by them doing something great in this meeting that they would come back for more advice and guidance. So over the next four months, 81 people I met with them about whatever they wanted, whatever they want to cover, 81 people I met with them. And all of them, I gave them the best advice I could, the best thinking. And then I said, listen, once you go do this little bit of thing, I gave them some homework and I said, then come back to me and we'll do a follow-up meeting. And then I waited. Six months later, zero of the people had come back to me. So I realized I was the world's worst mentor. And I figured, wanted to figure out what it was. And I went off on this journey to discover it. I talked to lots of people. I had all these conversations. And I realized that the truth of the matter is that people don't need advice. They need opportunities. And the entire way we really think about mentorship is backwards. We start with this person and say, like, I want this wise person, our Yoda, to basically give me advice. And that's not actually what people need or want. Instead, we've got to find ways to get interesting people to collaborate with us. And that's why my new message is like, stop starting with a person. You don't need a mentor. You need a project. And that project attracts the right people that will give you those opportunities to change your life. So that was really it. From the world's worst mentor to someone who hopefully is thinking differently about helping other people create opportunities. Okay. Well, I, I did read that story in the book and I'm not sure I agree that you're the world's <laughs> mentor based on based on that, but I appreciate the humbleness and that was a great story and really illuminating for me about maybe also how to be a great mentee, which I think is an interesting yeah. topic. And before we go there, because I, I think there was some of that in that story, but before we go there, I just you know, just to dial in, Thinking Vitamins is an exploration of misunderstood and out-of-date ideas that are causing unhappiness and stress. And Thinking Vitamins is about re-examining how we're thinking and thinking in ways that leads to prosperity and happiness. And when I saw what you had to say about mentorship, I realized that I, I needed to have you on the show because we are thinking about mentorship wrong. So yeah. can we just go there a little bit? Yeah. Like what are we getting wrong sort of from the meta point of view as we think about what is a mentor? Yep. Well, the first thing I'll say is that I think most, the problem with mentorship is that most of the time people feel really bad about not having one. <laughs> so the truth is, it's very interesting when you ask people about like, do you have a mentor? Only about a third of people report having a mentor. And so, and when you talk about it, people will often like, you know, have a challenge in career or work or life or whatever it is. And the advice that they get is you should find a mentor. And that's like, basically saying like, hey, you're single right now, you should get married. It's like, well, no kidding. Like that's an obvious thing, but how? And so I think that's the first thing is I think that mentorship has become this thing that you need it 
but you don't know why or how or to get it. And then when you get it, oftentimes it's like, well, I don't know if that's really doing anything. So the first thing to know is I think most people don't actually have a mentor. Less than a third of people report having a mentor. And, and I think that's what part of the challenge is because the way we envision this, it's actually part of our social zeitgeist. We think about this, like you've heard the hero's journey. There's a wise mentor who joins us. And so we always think about these things that this person is supposed to like guide us and shepherd us. And so that's the first thing that I think is there is that's not actually how real world mentorship works. Yoda comes along or Dumbledore or Glenda, it doesn't happen that way. So I think that's the first thing about mentorship that is that people get wrong is thinking that if they don't have one, something's missing in their life. I bet plenty of people who are really awesome who don't have that style of like formal single mentor. Most people that I've met who are really successful have lots of mentors and they have these really casual relationships. So I think that's the first thing is that you don't have to have one mentor, number one. And number two, I think that people think of this mentoring relationship as this deep thing where every week we're going to have a check-in and we're going to do these reviews and all this kind of stuff. Also not true, right? The reality is the people that you want opportunities from, they don't have time to meet with you regularly in that kind of way. So the reality is, is that most of the successful mentoring relationships I saw, and I studied some of the world's most successful people, they started in a 15 minute or less relationship that wasn't this formal, like, will you be my mentor? So I think the reality is, is that most of us probably have mentoring relationships already. We don't have them as these in-depth things behind it. Oftentimes that's coaching. And the last thing behind it is that we actually want something different from mentors than people telling us advice. In the old days, when we were in the pre-internet era, you wanted to have smart people around you because quite frankly, like you couldn't find things out, right? Like the internet didn't exist. Today, I don't need some person who isn't the world's best to give me advice because I can go find it. I can go on Google. I can go on Yahoo. I can go on Yahoo, YouTube, TikTok, whatever it is, and find the best advice ever. What I need is someone who moves my resume to the top of the pile, who makes that introduction, who gives me that guidance on a very niche thing behind it. And so I think that we've got it all wrong. We think about a mentor as something to have versus I think of mentoring as something to get, which is to get people who can give us these opportunities. So that's probably the biggest thing is I think we got it all wrong focusing on finding a Yoda versus I think you need a bevy of people to increase what we call your opportunity surface area for people around you who value what you do and when opportunities come their way, they're the one that you think about. Okay. I, I have a gazillion questions, which I <laughs> into one. <laughs> you say so many important things. First of all, talking about how technology has changed what we need yeah. from people, I think is critical because yeah. as, you know, thinking vitamins, why we need to replace thinking that's no longer serving us with thinking that does serve us. And your point about Google and you know, so research and now chat GPT four and all sorts of things where we can go and get some, well, we get hallucinations from chat GPT, but there's fewer in chat GPT four. And then there's programs that are being built on that, that contain the information. The point is advice is out there. There's coaches for advice. It didn't used to be that having a coach was common. And so it makes sense that we might've called in the past someone who needed coaching from a mentor because we couldn't go online and get the information or we couldn't take a course and get the information or we didn't have a formal coach that wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. Now that those things are normal. I know I have run when people have said, can I pick your brain? I'm like, <laughs> first of all, ew. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like the visual. And, and the time factor and your point about opportunities 
is such a good one. I think there's another point that you make about what we got wrong about mentors that I thought just was fantastic. You mentioned the hero's journey. And mm -hmm. I did want to touch on, there is a popular perception, I believe, of the hero's journey being that I'm the hero, I meet a mentor, and la, 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 everything's okay. But if yep. we look at Joseph Campbell's actual hero storyline, things get much worse before they get better. And yeah. to one of the point of one of your drawings in the book, it's like mentors aren't there to solve our problems. They'll create an opportunity. We still have to go live life and that's still going to be an up and down, which brings me to something you said about the onus being on the mentee that's to make right. the relationship great. And I thought that was really interesting. Could you go into that? Yeah. And I, I think it is an interesting thing as well as I think that people oftentimes have this expectation that someone can save them, right? That's what we think. So I, I just need a mentor and they're going to save me. And, and it is a very common thing that I think people feel guilty about the fact they don't have a mentor because once this person comes along, you're saved. You're the hero. You're all those things behind it. And I think it, first off, it's just, it, it's not real, right? Like there's no one who can save you other than you. But I think number two, what's really important to know is it also takes a lot of kind of the agency and autonomy that we as individuals have. And I think that's really what I also noticed behind it is that it's not that someone plucks you out of obscurity and makes you famous. It's that the mentor actually is being cultivated by the mentee, especially super mentors. And I think it's one of those things that one of the examples I use in the book is talking about Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Sandberg has said quite a bit talking about Larry Summers, her college professor who had really open doors for her when she was early in college and all the way through her early parts of her career. But when you really hear the story of Cheryl, she made that relationship successful. It was not Larry Summers helping her like become her best. She was the one who sought him out. She was the one who worked with him behind it. She was the one who actually started helping him on his project. She was the one who asked. And so I think what's important to know is that really what we find in these cultivated mentor, super mentor relationships, it's that what the mentee can really do is start with a project they care about, whatever that is. For Cheryl, it was actually an organization, a, a kind of an event she was putting on that she invited Larry to become part of. For others, it's people who say, hey, I've got this project. Would you like to work on it with me? Would you like to interview me for your, I'd like to interview you for my podcast. But it starts by identifying a project that the mentee cares about. And then they find collaboration opportunities with casual mentors that they turn into super mentors. But it is not a, you're going to be saved. It's just that you're going to be kind of collaborating on something. And once you prove to them that you're great, you're interesting, you're exciting, that's where a lot of the opportunities come from. But yeah, the mentee makes the mentor super, not the other way around. I loved that. I thought that was such strong advice. You talk about the right ask and we'll, we'll come to that in a second, but that's a big part of it. I mean, I've had this happen when, you know, when people just say, can I pick your brain or pick can your we brain. do this? And it's just the worst. It's the, <laughs> it's the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of the challenge with people who feel they need a mentor is they put so much pressure on the mentor, right? They feel like it's this thing. And so if, I don't know if you've gotten this one, but probably like someone reached out and said, would you mentor me? It's like, ah, God, no, because if you can't understand what you need, that you need me to mentor you, I can't help you. And so I think what's really important in this one to understand is that why 
mentors become super mentors is context. So I'm not the best at helping you figure out your career path. There's coaches for that. There's other things behind it. But if you want my help on something that I can specifically work on about a, an element from a company I started in the past about marketplaces, or you want to know something about designing a nonfiction book, and you reach out to me and to say, hey, could I get your help on this very narrow specific thing? I'm working on a book right now, or I have a new company, or I want to do a podcast. Absolutely. Why? Because in 15 minutes or less, I can deliver value that I feel good about. And this information you get can help lead to other opportunities. So I would tell anyone who's sort of trying to get help from anyone, if you can't scope it to something that is easy for them to do under 15 minutes or less, but valuable for you to get, you haven't quite figured out how to engage people who are extraordinary to ask you to get help from them. Okay, so we'll pause there and just do a little highlight from your book because I think <laughs> that I want listeners to really dial in to what Eric just said because it's so smart. Now, I do these like free calls once a month where anyone can come on and jump on and ask me questions. And I get asked these free first Friday fireside chats just because I love alliteration. And I find that exactly what you're talking about happens where I'm asked a question, it's unfocused, and it's a question I can't, you speak to questions that somebody yeah. can't answer as well. You say, don't, you know, what am I going to do with my life? It's like, yeah, oh, <laughs> I don't know. But Eric has this amazing activity and there's so many activities in this book, that, but I'm going to draw attention to one that I actually tried out for myself because I like to see how things work. What would you do with 15 minutes? And so he has an activity that helps you focus your ask. It goes through who to ask and how to ask and when to ask and how to, you know, get to these big super mentors. But really the first thing is what's your ask going to be? And so yeah. as he says, it's going to start with a project and he lists the kind of projects that people get behind. And then he says, what would you do with 15 minutes? So she or he can, and then I will. Eric, can you speak to, because I just think that it's a great exercise because we do, we go ask questions without any focus. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think what's important to think about in it is so much of this is like really just actually asking for what you really want, right? I think a lot of it is that thing. There's all this subtext in the way that we sort of engage with people. It's like when people reach out to pick your brain, really, what do they want? They usually want a job. 90% of the time when they want to pick your brain, they want a job. And usually what is happening is someone says, can I pick your brain? And you say about what? And they're like, well, I'm thinking about such and such thing. And, and then you ask them another question about, well, what are you thinking about? Well, I really want to work at this company. I know you're connected to someone. Like that's the whole thing behind it. And so what I think about it a little bit is like, okay, why don't you just cut down to what you really want? And so in the book, I use the example of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Let's say that you really wanted to get into, you know, film or theater or whatever it is you wanted to get into. If you were in the room with your ultimate person you wanted to get with, and you could ask them anything, anything that they would do, and they'd be open and receptive to that one, what would you ask? And if you just ask them for like, hey, like, what did you do in your career? That's not of any value to you. Instead, you want to find a way for them to help you with a show that you're working on currently, or you might want to see if they might perform a verse for you. For like, There's all these things behind it, but the more specific you can get that could really help you, the better. And that's what it comes down to a little bit more about being a hyper-empowered protege or mentee is if you can figure out what you really need, I need this introduction, I need this collaboration, I need this thing, that's going to lock the opportunities. 
odds are then you actually get what you want versus like this fake thing about getting advice, right? If someone comes to me saying like, hey, can I pick your brain? I'm going to give them advice. But if they tell me, hey, I know that this thing behind it, I need this thing for this project, then at least I can either say yes or no. But I think a lot of it is like, just cut through it, get to it and know that many times the easiest way in is a simple way to engage on your project that can build into much bigger projects over time. Eric, you're speaking about asking as though people are comfortable asking, but we know there's fears. And even if, okay, great, I have a project. Okay, great, I've focused my ask. I'm still afraid, you know? You had a lot of really interesting, interesting things to say about helping me overcome my fear of reaching out. Can you share some of those insights? Yeah. So I, I think it's a, it's a very, you know, one of the things that, so I was actually speaking at a conference the other day and it was a bunch of university presidents and they were saying, well, what about people who are introverted or what about people who are, you know, hesitant behind it? I think that the first thing that's important is what is when you start by thinking from a place of a project, right? You start by picking that project, whether it's, Hey, I, you know, work on an album, I'm working on a company, I'm working, whatever the project might be behind it. Is I think the first thing to know is that your, your, your passion will come through in that one. So I think that's what it is. If you're just reaching out cold saying like, Hey, like I'm interested in learning more, picking your brain, as we sort of jokingly have said, that's really hard because it sort of doesn't really give us anything to sort of set the agenda behind it. But I think the first thing that you want to do is remember that always start in the context of a project, because in that way it has context for whatever the ask is. So if you want to ask them something about related to a podcast you're doing, an event you're putting on a book, it's a lot easier in that way to have context in that one. But the second thing that I think it is really important behind it is there's a way to actually improve your chances of people saying yes or engaging. And that really comes down to the way that you give first. And so this is based on some of the interesting research from Adam Grant in his book, Give and Take. And he talks about the power of generosity. And so there's this really interesting thing to understand that there's this concept in, you know, getting things and in, in whatever it is about reciprocity. And so when people get something, they feel obligated to return it. And so we actually talk about this in the book called the five minute favor. So if your goal is to get someone who's a big name person, whoever it is to do a favor for you back, the first thing you can do is do a favor for them first. And it can be really, really simple what it is. So I always tell people that the most amazing place to build relationships with extraordinary people is social media. And what I mean by that is follow and connect with people on social media you already admire, whoever they may be, and then find a way to accelerate and amplify them, like their comments, post on whatever it is. And then when you reach out to someone, reference that one. Hey, I recently commented on your post about your new blah, 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 or I recently sort of bought your new book or whatever it is. And it has this secret superpower of unlocking opportunities. There was a best-selling author that I was sharing this kind of concept to, the five-minute favor to, about how, how I teach my students and authors and things like that to get people to interview them or talk to them. And I said, you know, basically you do a favor first and do it authentically. And then people are more likely to re reciprocate. And he goes, holy cow, I just did this favor for someone like an hour long thing. And I realize now that he basically started the conversation by saying, I bought your book and I felt this obligation. And so I think what's really interesting in it is that the power dynamics we often feel can be torn down 
by starting by just being generous and kind and then seeing if that can lead you to better outcomes. So I think that's a lot of it is having a lot more fun with these things. When you pick a project you care about, it's something that you're interested in. Like nobody wants to reach out for career advice, but what's much more exciting to reach out related to an event you're putting on or a paper you're writing or whatever it is. And that way, I think it has a lot more fun when you can engage people in these authentic ways. I love that you bring up the concept of fun because I know you reference fun being a really important part of change. And I totally love that when you said in the book that if something feels heavy, it's, it's not going to feel fun. That energy is going to be somehow sensed. And I, I like what you brought up. It feels fun and it feels genuine. You just mentioned the concept of genuine and the five minute favor. You know, I've become a little suspicious of a couple of likes followed by a DM. I would be open to it if I actually thought someone could reference one idea. Yep. So I, I'm going to kind of chime in and say, mention that you're aware of their thought leadership. And I, for me, I'm really big on authenticity and branding. So maybe say, I really like what you have to say about being concerned about X or Y. I think what's also interesting in it too is if you really want someone to build a relationship with you, this is what you need to do, right? It's not transactional. And I think that's kind of what it is, is the other thing that's interesting in the book is really understanding that we call, so there's sort of four laws of super mentorship. And what we call it is the, the it's called past P A S T. How do you get past casual mentors into super mentors? Well, it starts by picking the right people and the right ask, but then the third one is the right start. And so a lot of people think so transactionally about things that they don't realize that this 15 minute first conversation to talk about you know, to interview you for a podcast, do whatever it is, is really just the way to start the relationship. And then sharing back with those things over time, they lead to these incredible outcomes. I mean, there's one of these stories I talk about in the book is a guy named Matt Bustle, who, you know, he sat down with someone and had a really interesting conversation for a project he was working on. Um, And then a few months later, he sent an update on the project, how he had done. And then nine months later, that person started a new company and was remembering Matt from before that he'd sort of updated him along the way, brought him in. Matt did a great job in that conversation and hired him as his first head of product without any product experience. But it started because he started with the right ask, built the relationship over time, and then an opportunity when it came up came into his lap. And so that, that really is it. You can't, you can't expect to get the whole thing on the first date. You kind of got to remember that you're building this kind of relationship and it can be very simple early on, but over time it leads to these inflection points in life. Ooh, I like that you brought up inflections. I think that's something that I've seen in business. I call it catching a wave. Now you Mm -hmm. can being a surfer and being ready right? You want to be ready to some degree to catch that wave, but lots of waves will go by and then you'll finally catch a wave and you'll catch a big wave, but you do have to be ready and prepared. You call them inflection points that you can put out lots of little things and you don't have to have them all hit. That's right. I think that's the other thing that I observed in people who had these kind of these sort of 
rapid accelerations in life. And I think part of it is we, we look at life as these sort of series of like steady, you know, we, we, it's a rightful piece of thing is that like, you got to play the long game, but I think about it is you'll have these short like inflection points that will lead you up in that way. So I don't think of like life as this sort of path that goes linearly. It's that you have these moments that kind of unlock things. And I think part of what you're looking for is in those kind of unlock moments, oftentimes at the center of them is someone who gave you a new opportunity. So you can start to manufacture inflection points. And the way you do that is by starting to create these projects that you're going to be tackling for somewhere between six and 12 months. And that's what's interesting about projects. Projects are things that have a definitive beginning, middle, and end. And so typically they're things you can finish. And what's neat about them is let's just use back going back to Sheryl Sandberg. Her project was to start a new kind of event series when she was at Harvard. And so it was kind of a series of speakers she was going to bring in, but she could finish it. Now, here's why those can lead to inflection points, because over that window of time, she had the opportunity to engage with you know a dozen speakers or whatever they may be. But what's interesting is because of that project, when it was finished, she could send the recording, the updates to all those people she engaged along the way and say, hey, I just finished this project. What happens next? Well, all those people are like, oh, gosh, like I thought this was just an idea, but you finished the project. You are exceptional. And therefore, now I want to come back to you for it. So it's interesting that we can manufacture them, in my opinion, by picking projects involving people collaborating in the projects and then sharing the project outcome with everyone along the way. And then that creates these casual mentors with dozens and dozens of people. Because again, even if you had a very casual relationship with them, now when they see you that, oh, wow, like this project was completable, Jill's exceptional, they'll come back to you with other opportunities down the road. So that's why I think you can make these things. It's not an accident anymore. Yeah, you mentioned something in the book that, It really stood out when you talked about the value of something with a defined end point. And at one point in the book, Eric says, don't do a blog, you know, (laughs) a series of articles. And I just thought this was so smart because here's, so here's the sort of thing. He says, do a series of articles because that shows your ability also to begin and complete. And that says, you know, a blog is like every week for ever yeah (laughs) and so if you're gonna do that it's like okay are you super committed to this but a series of articles is and you know that's something that applies to me right now because i dove right in and got myself very involved with people around the ai space because i think it is really going to bring up questions of authentic branding and i decided i wanted to be right in front i put myself in some good circles and i've been thinking about what to do with this information and eric i'm going to listen to you i'm going to do a series of articles yep. as opposed to so you have affected me i'm saying thank you right, here, right <laughs> now in public because that was something that was on my mind how do i share all this information what's a good way for me to share it but i don't necessarily want to be the ai you know i'm all about authenticity and branding and the right brand leads to good life balance and i'm all about that but this ai thing needs to be addressed for me right now it's a project right now so you really gave me a way of thinking about that this comes back to where we started the conversation which is you pretending that you're a bad mentor because (laughs) because you 80 people 81 people came to you and yeah Nobody came to you six months later. I happen to know because I read the book that one person came back a year later. But I think that the onus is on the mentee to say thank you. 
And I do want to come back to that idea because we haven't really known what mentorship is. It makes sense that we don't know how to be a good mentee. Well, how would you know how to be a good mentee when we haven't really even understood what it means to be a good mentor in the new world? So speak to that. Let's leave our listeners with some powerful ideas about how they can be in that give and take place and be a great mentee. So I think I think the best thing that I would tell you a little bit is to know that um, that mentors actually feel good when they impact a mentee in a way that is that works, that powerful, that helps them in those kind of ways behind it. So, you know, we started the conversation earlier talking a little bit about Yoda and Dumbledore and Morpheus as these kind of like pentultimate single mentor kind of roles behind it. And so if I were to leave the audience with one big thing is I want you to think about a different movie concept. And I'm going to use a fun one. And one of my favorites is Ocean's Eleven. So I think that's really what you want to think about is I want you to imagine yourself as your Danny Ocean. You're the leader of this project. And the project was to break into a bank. Maybe yours will be different, but your project is whatever it may be to write that book you've always wanted to write, to launch a podcast season, whatever that thing is behind it. But remember, Danny Ocean knew that he couldn't do it alone. So he brought in 10 other people to be a part of this one. And I want you to think of all those other people as people who are casual mentors. They're people who are part of this project with you in these casual ways behind it. And each of them have different roles and relationships they can pull into, they can be helpful on in those ways. So I think what's important to do is number one, remember that you want to build your gang, your group, your people that you have these casual interactions with behind it. They don't have to be your mentor. They have to be part of the project with you. And here's what's interesting. You want to remember that you're bringing them, they're bringing, you're bringing them with you on the project journey. So you want to share updates with them, these things behind it. And then at the end of it, you want to do something to celebrate. And that's what I think is really interesting about the way that I would think about building more casual mentor relationships that become super mentor relationships is think about your project is a vessel or a vehicle to bring a series of people on with you in a very casual way. They don't need to come and do mentoring check-ins with you, but just give them updates. Hey, this is where I am on the podcast. Here's how the event's coming up. The end, hey, it's done. Thank you for your help and support along the way. We robbed the bank, all right? Whatever that thing is behind it, we celebrate. And I think that's what's so important today to understand is that it's not about being transactional or relational. It's about basically bringing people along your journey in the context of a project and remembering now that that's happened, the next time they need to rob a bank or the next time they need help on a podcast or the next time a job opportunity comes up, they've already seen that you can take them on a journey and succeed in it. So they're going to come back to you. And that's really what's important here is it's not about Dumbledore or Wizard of Oz or any of those things. It's about Ocean's Eleven. Build your Ocean's Eleven group take them along your journey to complete something. And then remember that because they were on the journey with you, they're likely to come back to you with other opportunities down the road because they enjoyed the ride the first time. That is such a fun way to think about building the relationship. I'm going to just do a little plug for your book here because it needs it. I got this book just a couple of days ago and still managed to devour almost all of it. It was that good. So Super Mentors, The Ordinary Person's Guide to Asking Extraordinary People for Help is just recently been published and already has hundreds of five-star reviews and comments. Mine is going to show up. If Amazon even lets it, just for listeners to know, tons yeah. of reviews don't even get, if whatever you see someone have on Amazon, you know they have way an order of magnitude more because Amazon yeah. limits a lot. This is essential reading for you if you have ever dreamt about talking to someone and adding value for them or feel like you could 
collaborate with someone. And I think anyone, if you also have a dream of being a mentor, of helping others, I, I think this is going to really help you understand what to give them and even what not to give them yeah. to, to really empower them. Eric, you've written a book that's going to help me. I know it's going to help my clients and my students, and I hope listeners of the Thinking Vitamins podcast. What closing words? I mean, buy this book. Okay, so, <laughs> clear. Buy the book. Read the book. Your life will be better. But Eric, what closing words do you have for the audience? I mean, the, first off, that was you were the the best hype woman I've ever met. That was awesome. I didn't say very much. What the last thing I will leave you with is, I think if what I will tell you is. Mentorship is not a phase you grow out of. It's not that at some point you are like no longer need a mentor. I will tell you that I have found some of the most joy and fulfillment and richness in my life from people who are younger than me who are mentoring me. And so it's really one of those things that I think the people who succeed embrace mentorship as a way to create deep, rich relationships, to create opportunities for themselves. And so, you know, whoever is in your Ocean's 11 gang, and hopefully it's Ocean's 100, but whatever the number is behind it, I think the best thing to know is that this is modern networking and mentoring is a way to build real relationships through the context of a project that will be great in the context of the project and then ultimately you know lead to opportunities many times right after the project or forever i love it this is modern networking and i do think you have given us a path to a better world so thank you for that eric where can listeners where should they go to get more eric I mean, if they want more, Eric, that's a challenging question. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I try to share a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. It's ericcuster.com. My name is just eric, K-O-E-S-T-E-R.com. And if you want to get the book or get like bulk orders for a class or even to have me come in and speak about this, I love doing these kind of things to talk about it. So supermentorsbook.com is another place to find that basically like thankfully if you put my name in i'm the only one that i think has this name so you can find me somewhere and i'm pretty responsive when people reach out to be helpful fabulous well certainly we will have the links in the show notes it's been i could have talked to you all day about it but that's <laughs> it too. for now and thanks so much for coming to the podcast and sharing your wisdom thank you all right that wraps up another episode of thinking vitamins I hope you got some fresh ideas that you can put to work to create purposeful prosperity. You can now go out and reach out to the people you aspire to have a career like. If you did find today's conversation helpful, please follow, rate, and review the Thinking Vitamins podcast on your favorite platform. If you have feedback, I'd love it if you sent me an email at podcast at boom-u.com. That's B-O-O-M-letteru.com. This episode was produced on Vancouver Island in Canada. Our guest today was author Eric Koster. This is your host, Jill McCabe, encouraging you to think about what you're thinking about. And remember, science has shown our world is a reflection of our inner realities. Let's think our way together to a better world.